Today is the day of Pentecost, uh, the birthday of the church. It's also the day when we celebrate the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and the Holy Spirit's coming into our lives. Uh, We Presbyterians don't always know what we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by that we mean something like this. The same love that brought the entire world into being, which is the exact same love that lived in Jesus Christ, can come alive in you. That love can live in you and live in me by the power of God. That's what we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, let's listen to the story when the Holy Spirit arrives in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, the story of the day of Pentecost. And let's listen carefully for God's word to us this morning. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now... They were staying in Jerusalem. There were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one of them heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia? Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them, however, made fun of them. They said, <laughs> they, they, they are filled with too much wine. But then Peter one, stood up with the rest of the eleven, and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for those that helped with that reading of Scripture this morning. Will you pray for the ones, the one who preaches, for his sins are many. Holy Spirit, come among us and stir us up with great power and might this morning. And by your power, may something of what is said and done here today, or at least in the bewilderment of it all, something of what is seen and heard here today, be of you and your work and your promises in our lives. And in this, your world. In your holy name, we ask it. Amen. It was nine o'clock in the morning, and all were gathered in one place Oxford, Mississippi. And in about six hours, the sixth ranked Old Miss Rebels football team was slated to kick off against Nick Saban and his University of Alabama Crimson Tide. 
Now, Ole Miss is famous for its tailgating culture, and on this fall Saturday morning, the grassy oak lawn that's at the center of campus that is known as the Grove was packed with tailgating tents and people who were dressed to the absolute nines for the tailgate party of the century. Both teams were undefeated. College game day was in town, broadcasting live from the Grove. And Katy Perry was to be the guest picker. This was a big deal. There was nobody in the state of Mississippi who wasn't at the game. So Meg and I, uh, we had a bunch of friends. We used to go to Ole Miss games all the time when we lived in Mississippi. Uh, we, we paid some college kid to go out to the Grove the night before and set up our tent and stake out and stay there all night to hold our spot. And it wasn't cheap. We got there pulling our wagon from our car far away and we unpracked our spread. A buddy of mine had brought a 55-inch TV and a generator so that we could watch all the other games throughout the day as we prepared for Ole Miss Alabama. We had brownies and pimento cheese sandwiches and barbecue pork and chicken wings and of course there were Red Solo cups of wine and bourbon for later. It was a feast. And it was 9 a.m. And the Grove was already packed, tent against tent, from one end to the other, shoulder to shoulder, people wearing powder blue and red, shouting hotty toddy for Ole Miss. And our little group of friends, there were five of us in all, were hanging out under our tent we were watching all the game day festivities that were happening right behind us on the 55-inch screen TV that we had brought. And we noticed, I noticed, a gentleman under our tent who I did not recognize. And he was standing over our buffet spread, picking at some pimento cheese. And at first I thought he must be a friend of one of our friends. I mean, the Grove is a pretty sociable and hospitable place. But then my buddy Drew caught my eye and looked over at me and he mouthed these words. He said, do you know that guy? And I said, no. So uh, Drew said, excuse me, sir, can I help you with something? Uh, the stranger turned around to reply to us, but we could not understand what he was saying. It was mumbled. It was slurred. He turned around, you could see on his face, he was squinting pretty hard, and he tried to lift up a finger and talk to us, and he stepped forward, and then he fell backwards onto the ground, wiped out. Drew and another one of our friends grabbed the man by his shoulders and helped him up, guided him along out of our tent and back into the crowded masses of the grove. Meg asked, what was up with that guy? To which Drew responded, it seems the wine and the bourbon have been flowing, and he's a bit under the influence. The book of Acts tells us that it was nine o'clock in the morning and all were gathered together in one place, Jerusalem. 
And there was a festival happening that day as well. It was going as Shavat, which is the festival of the weeks. This is a holy day uh, that took place a Pentecost after Passover. Pentecost meaning 50 days. So after Passover, where you celebrated the Exodus, where Moses led the people of the Israelites out of Egypt, 50 days later, a Pentecost later, you would celebrate Shavuot, which was the commemoration of the day when God gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Jews from all throughout the world, all throughout the Roman Empire, uh, had come to Jerusalem for that festival, just like they did every year. They were from Egypt, from Mesopotamia, from Rome, from Greece. And the streets of Jerusalem would have been packed shoulder to shoulder, tent against tent as the markets were swollen with pilgrims and gathered together in that place in an open little house in a tent along the street where the markets were. There was a group of friends from Galilee. Now, people had started to take notice of these Galileans. They weren't from Jerusalem, but they'd been hanging around now for about two months. They had come to Jerusalem earlier for the Passover pilgrimage. And they'd arrived in town hailing their leader, a man whose name was Jesus, as the rightful king of the Jews. They'd been waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But by the end of the Passover festival, this Jesus had been arrested and crucified and was dead and had been buried. But for some strange reason, these Galileans had not gone home. Instead, the devotion, their devotion to him seems to have grown even greater. And in the 50 days since Passover, they had started going around saying that this Jesus was alive. They had seen him. He was not gone. His tomb was empty. He had been raised from the dead. And this meant that he really actually was the rightful king. When they had come marching into Jerusalem, only he was not just the king of the Jews. He was the king of the entire world. He was the king of all humanity. He was the king of every human heart, should any human heart want him as a king. People did not know what to make of these Galileans. And if that wasn't strange enough, things were about to get even stranger. As they were gathered there together at the festival of Shavuot, a sound of a mighty wind came blowing through the house and flames of fire came raining down upon them like individual tongues touching the top of their heads. This is what the scripture says. And then it goes on to say that the followers of this crucified king, they all started crying out at once about the incredible things that God had done. And as they spoke... Each of them spoke in a different language. One would speak in Egyptian, another in Latin, another in Greek, another in the tongue of the Babylonians. Uh, this, this, as you would expect, started to catch the attention of the pilgrims passing by. It wasn't long before a little crowd had begun to form, trying to see what all this commotion was about. What, what, is, what is going on with these guys, one woman asks. Well, well, another passerby says, It seems the wine and the bourbon have been flowing, and these guys are a little bit under the influence. To this, one of the Galileans, 
the one who, more than any of them, appears to be the leader. His name is Peter. He climbs up on a soapbox, and so everyone can see him. He raises his voice so everyone can hear him. He says, listen, fellow Jews, people of Jerusalem, let me try to explain this to you. Listen carefully. Despite what you think, these people are not drunk. How could they be drunk? It's only nine o'clock in the morning, to which you have to wonder, Peter has never been to an SEC tailgate. But no, these Galileans are not drunk. The wine and the bermud have not been flowing this morning. There's been something else that's flowing on this morning. They are indeed under the influence, but not of alcohol. They are under the influence of something stranger, something much more bewildering. They're under the influence of the power of the love of God. You can tell when someone's under the influence. The word influence means flow in two. When someone is under the influence, the wine and the bourbon flows into them and it changes their disposition. It shifts their behavior. It doesn't always change people in the same way. It can turn a shy person into the life of a party. It can turn a kind person into a lunatic raging against the world but you can see it on their face. You can see it in the way they carry themselves. You can see it in the things they say and the thing, way that they talk. You can see that there is something external to themselves that is flowing through them, flowing into them and beyond them as if they were a pipe from one end to the other. And of course, it's not just bourbon and wine that influence a person. We influence each other, don't we? These days, there's an entire industry of people who make money trying to influence the lives of other people by posting their own lives online. And they're not even coy about this. It's right there in their vocational title. People make money as influencers because that's the name of the game, isn't it? That's the name of the game of getting your way through life. All of us have influences in our lives and all of us end up influencing the world around us, influencing others. But then we are asked this question, what would it look like? What would it look like if we were under the influence of God? If, if you came across a person under the influence of God, how would you know it? Would you be able to tell? Would you be able to see it on her face with the way she carries herself or the way she talks? Would you be able to see it in the things that he says, the things that he does? What are, what are the marks of somebody under the influence of God? Does it, does it make you the life of the party? Does it cause you to rage against the world? No, the influence of God. It shows up in a much more bewildering way, a much more subversive way. It shows up in love. Love you can't stop talking about. Love that you cannot help but have poured out of you as it has been poured into you. You see, when we Christians talk about the Holy Spirit, this is what we mean. 
We mean that when we talk about God, we're not talking about a philosophical concept. We're not talking about a theoretical figure somewhere who watches over us from the distance. We're not talking about a theory that explains how the world came to be. We're not talking about a story that's just going to make you smile for a moment before you go on and move on to the next thing in your life. When we talk about God, we are talking about a power that is both transcendent and imminent all at one time. We're talking about a love, a love that flows through this world without ever ceasing. This love is the very love that brought this world into being, this world and everything in it. The trees, the mountains, the stars, the galaxy, me, you, you, all of us. All of us are gifts of this love. But there's something even more. There's something even more. This is also the same love that fully lived in this Jesus Christ who, who, who suffered on a cross and died only to be raised again to new life, which means there is nothing, nothing that can separate you from this love. There's nothing that can cause this love to stop flowing, which means this love is not just your beginning. This love is also your ending as well. And if this is the case, then the only question is whether or not you can trust this love. You can let yourself receive this love. You can open yourself up to the flow of this love and let it flow through you. You can let yourself be loved by the love of God. And when you can let yourself be loved by the love of God, this very same love that is your beginning and is also your ending starts to flow through you from one end to the other, like a pipe. And it starts to change you. Transforms your disposition. When you receive this love of God, you cannot help but give this love of God. In those moments when you manage to let the love of God flow through you, when you come under the influence of God, you cannot help but show it on your face. People will take notice of the way you carry yourself, by the way that you talk. And it's not because you will be raging against the world or because it'll make you the kind life of the party. It'll be because you set yourself up to love as you have been loved first. But that's the trick, you see. The trick is not to try to love more on your own. The trick is to let God love through you by letting God love you first. And so, as I look down on my watch, it is only 11, 11 in the morning. Nine o'clock was two hours and 11 minutes ago. Let's let the love flow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask it. Amen.